Join Nash, Wells, and Zach on the Tripod Sports Podcast. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Pretty good, man. Just uh, happy the week's coming to a close, honestly. I hear you on that, man. Uh, Zach said he might be joining the party a little late. Uh, but that is nothing we can't handle. Because uh, he said we can go ahead and get the basketball out of the way. <laughs> He'd be there uh, for the baseball. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Those is, are his uh, words, not mine. His words. We got to make Zach realize that it's not a tripod without him, though. That is an excellent point. Great take by you. Uh, otherwise, the entire the entire thing has to be changed, man. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's the soundbite of the uh, of the episode right there. It's not a tripod without, without Zach. The, without the Zach. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Well, you and I can go ahead and get started. And whenever Zach arrives, we'll let him jump in and give his two cents. Or should I say three cents? Because we're, you know. Anyway. Is he just going to jump in and surprise us at any time? I think so, dude. It's going to be like, you know, like a jack-in-the-box. We're just not going to know when yeah, he pops just, out. Yeah, um, that's right. He's just going <laughs> to come in guns a-blazing, probably. That's right. May, hopefully, it won't scare us too bad. But anyway, so I know you and I had talked about this earlier this week in our pre-show, pre-pod, pre-episode production meeting. And... um we were talking about Gus Malzahn. This is old news, obviously. Um, but Malzahn, of course, is headed to and is at University of Central Florida, which is full of irony. Um, I think if you ask anyone who follows college football, because um, it was his Auburn Tigers that were defeated by his current team, the UCF Golden Knights in uh, Atlanta at the Peach Bowl back in 2017. The calendar flipped uh, to January 1, so it was technically 2018. But um, it was just very interesting to learn that he was a prospect for the Central Florida job. And then lo and behold, they offered it to him and he and he accepted it. And now he's in Orlando. And, um, you know, I wish him all the best. I, I think he's a great man. I think he's, you know, he did very well for, for the city of Auburn and for, for the community and think he did well for his players too but um ultimately you know in the world of the sec you're judged by your your w's and your l's and you know i i think the auburn administration was just looking for a breath of fresh air and i i think they found it in brian harson but i'll let you go ahead wells with with your take on on malzahn to ucf yeah man you were totally right it is ironic that the very guy that they defeated to declare themselves national champions is the guy who they just hired as their new head coach. Um, that's pretty funny to me. Um, somebody else made that point the other day, and that, that, that I didn't really realize that until they said it, but um, it was just funny. Um, but I think it's I think this whole triangle of teams between Auburn, Tennessee, and UCF with their coaching hires is interesting uh, as a whole. Um, you got Jeremy Pruitt and Gus Malzahn, who were each fired from Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, you know, then Tennessee goes and hires Josh Heupel away from UCF to become their new head coach. 
then UCF goes and hires Gus Malzahn to become their new head coach. So that's pretty crazy to me. What do you think? Absolutely, man. It, it really is such a carousel uh, when it comes to college football coaches in general. For another example, you had Travis Williams, who was hired as the linebackers coach at Miami when he was not retained by Brian Harson at Auburn. And then two weeks later, after Gus Malzahn gets the Central Florida job, he hires Travis away from Miami to become his defensive coordinator at UCF. So it just goes to show, man, that, you know, when a certain position opens up or a certain coach gets a new job, then it's anybody's guess to, to how long a coach at a current school is going to stay there um, because, you know, they might say, you know, like who they worked for previously better than who they work for now. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, Go ahead. Um, I know that the current or this year's recruiting cycle has already ended, but do you think um, that this with Coach Malzahn and Seawell teaming up at UCF, it will have any kind of impact on Auburn's recruiting or do you think it won't make a difference? Uh, I think they're just going to be trying to sell the University of Central Florida. Um, I think they will use some of the some of the success they had together at Auburn as a recruiting pitch. Yeah. Um, they brought in, or T. Will recently brought in Trey Williams, a former Auburn linebacker, uh, to be a defensive analyst. So they're definitely pulling from that tree. Um, and as a matter of fact, Mark Anthony Richards, who transferred from Auburn, I recently learned the other day, transferred to UCF. Um, so a, a, a Malzahn uh, recruited Richards at Auburn has now followed him to the University of Central Florida via the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's very interesting. Um, you know, and I think that like you and I have spoken about before that the Malzahn will, will thrive in this situation. Um, not taking anything away from Central Florida, but they do play in the, uh, in the American conference and, you know, the competition is not nearly as stiff as the SEC and the SEC West specifically. Um, so I really think he'll be successful in this position, man. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I feel confident. I, don't know. I think they really did make a solid hire because uh, I think if you ask any – I don't know any UCF fans, but it, you might know some. But I think <laughs> if you ask any UCF fans, they feel like they may have upgraded coaches out of all of this. Um, I think UCF has been a pretty good program the last couple of years since Scott Frost left. But they've kind of been on a slow decline, actually, since they beat Auburn that in the Peach Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and now they go and hire a guy who, I mean, the man's beaten Nick Saban three times, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the new coach of the UCF Knights. So, hey, that's true, man. They got a lot to be pumped up for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're facing Memphis and SMU and, Cincinnati, you know, that's when that's your, your main competition. I, I think you have to like your chances if you're UCF now. Um, oh, yeah, good recruiting base um, in Florida, you know. Um, that's where all the talent is, really. Absolutely. So. And I know you and I were talking about uh, the Auburn, I believe it was the Auburn Undercover article that said they were going to recruit, you know, within a six-hour window, kind of a six-hour radius of Orlando, which gives you good reach. Um, into Alabama, Georgia. You could extend into, you know, Mississippi and South Carolina. 
you know, if you wanted to. Yeah, for UCF, though, that's really all they need. I mean, like I said, there's plenty of talent to go around in that state. For um, sure. And one more point before we move on to our next topic. Um, you know, I, I think I have kind of a unique perspective on Malzahn because I saw him, you know, up close and personal for for two years or for two seasons straight, you know, on the being on the film crew and whatnot. And so I remember after practice one day, he gathered the team in midfield on the outside practice field and uh, he referred to the bowl game uh, specifically the peach bowl um, because we were in, I can't remember if it was uh, fall camp or if it was just in the beginning of the season, but I think it was fall camp and he had the team huddled up in the center of the field. He's like, guys, think back to the bowl game. We should have, <laughs> you know, his, his phrase is, you know, the dog, whatever, out of them. And uh, he said that. He was like, you know, we should have beat those guys. Yeah. And now, just two seasons later, three seasons later, he's he the head coach of that very team. I just think it is so hilarious, man, because it just goes to show at how much of a business college football truly is. Um, I'll say that the one thing I remember about that game is that is that linebacker UCF had. I think it was a linebacker that had one hand. Yeah, Griffin. And he he was all over the place that day. That's what stuck out to me the most. He sure was, man. Absolutely, we couldn't do anything. We had a we had a hurt carry on Johnson from the the Iron Bowl and the SEC championship. It was you know playoff hopes had been dashed just a few weeks before after losing in the SEC championship. So it really was a recipe for disaster for Auburn and UCF. Man, they were just that was their national championship, you know, yeah. and we didn't think here's they your, would here's your take classical it quite as let down. Yeah. That we didn't think they'd take it quite as literally as they did um, by beating us and calling themselves nat, uh, national champions. But Hey, I guess every night has their day, but as we move on uh, to the hardwood, we will talk a little since Auburn had the Tuesday game, um against florida we'll cover them first and i'll let you talk about um the tides trip to fayetteville last night but i only got to watch the second half of the auburn game i had a, a work commitment that i had to attend to during the first half but um i checked in on the score and it was halftime it's 44 to 22 in favor of the gators and uh no sharif cooper he was injured uh, has an ankle injury, and um, you know if he returns this season, I'll be very surprised. Um, you know, and same with Justin Powell. I, you know, I think they should just. Yeah, man. Know, what's what? What's the latest on Powell? Man, Bruce has been very, um, very coaches talk about Powell. You know, he saying he you know, he's day to day. We're right. getting him back, but we're we're taking it slow. He's been cleared to do this, this, and this, but not this yet. So it's just been a very long, drawn-out, tedious process. And I really hate it for Powell because I, I can't imagine going through what he's what he's going through. Um, because it's I gotta, just such I gotta a say, and, Yeah, I gotta say, unless there's uh something else going on, I think I think he might have one of the worst concussions I've ever heard of. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary, man, because it's just the lingering effects of it. I think the 
yeah. overall bruise of the brain. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to speculate. I'm no medical expert, but based on what it seems, it's like the the brain bruise, you know, is I I guess improved, but at the same time, he's still having, you know, lingering symptoms and and whatever byproducts have come from the concussion. So that's the scary part. I remember Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he was uh, still racing in NASCAR, he had a concussion, but he just could never get back in the car because of those lingering symptoms. So I, I hope it's yeah, not anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably a lot of dizziness. Absolutely. Yeah. Sensitivity to light and all those kinds of things. So uh, best of luck to Justin Powell uh, that he'll come back at full strength next season and uh, he'll be a contributor to the Tigers. But uh, yeah. So like I said, no Sharif Cooper last night which basically means Auburn's a point guardless team when he's not on the floor. Uh, normally they have Alan Flanagan running point uh, when, when Cooper is on the bench. Um, leading scorers for Auburn last night were Devin Cambridge with 14 points, uh, Jalen Williams with 11 points, Jamal Johnson with 10, and JT Thor with 10 as well. Um, you know, man, I didn't realize that – Auburn's postseason ban does include the SEC tournament. I was not aware of that until just recently. So when their season ends in a week uh, from Saturday, that's it. They're not even that's going to, to Nashville. So I think between the youth and not having a postseason to play for, I think it's really started to, to catch up with Auburn, and I think it's visible. Um, yeah. I think that make I think I think that makes you wonder too that even if if healthy Will Cooper or Powell return you know there's two or three games left and after that it's it just shutting it mm -hmm. off so so what do you think do you think uh, do you think they'll shut it down? Um, obviously you know I I can't speak for the training staff or or what Bruce or Stephen or you know Coach Pruitt or any of those guys are thinking but if it were me I would shut them down. 100%. There's no reason in rushing them back when there's, I don't want to say nothing to play for, but, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, you know. Um, but, yeah, there's no there's no reason to rush Powell back from the, the lingering injury that he's had. Sharif, it's going to be up in the air if he comes back or not to Auburn, and, and you know, in, in general. Um because he's got, you know, he's got to look at coming back versus going to the NBA. And then uh, Powell, I think I think everybody will be back except for maybe Cooper. Um, so the future is bright, but there, there's no reason in rushing uh, and, and jumping the gun on bringing these guys back, in my opinion. Well, I do I do not wish Cooper to come back to Auburn next season. <laughs> um, but I would, I would like to see him come back this year if he's able to because – um, I'm fortunate to have a ticket to the to the Alabama Auburn game, the final oh, game of the nice. season on Tuesday night, and I was really looking forward to seeing him play in person. Um, you know, I, I I had the pleasure of getting to see Colin Sexton play for Alabama a couple of years ago, and uh, Cooper reminds me a lot of him at Auburn, just the way they affect the team and whatnot. I was I was excited to see him play. I agree with you, man. I, I do see a lot of similarities between. Uh, between Sharif and Young Bull, as they call him. Absolutely. But, yeah, final from, from Auburn Arena was Florida 74, Auburn 57. And uh, we will face 
the Tennessee Volunteers in Auburn Arena at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Hoping for the best against the Vols. Uh, last few times Auburn has played Tennessee, they have come out on top and decisively. Auburn, at that, Auburn owns Tennessee, man. That is true. That is true. As of late, that is certainly the case. Uh, but as always, it's a new season, a new day, and definitely a, a different game each time they play. So we will see how it goes. I know I'll be pulling, excuse me, pulling for those for those Tigers and yelling War Eagle. But um, we will shift gears to the western side of the state when the tide went up to Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville. And, man, maybe there – well, no, not maybe. Their worst defeat of the season. What would you think? Yeah, so last night, uh, Wednesday night, Alabama did take on number 20th-ranked Arkansas, like you said. Uh, they ended up losing the game 81-66, to but I do not think uh, the score really indicates how bad of a game it was. Um, it just felt like a total total beatdown by the Hogs. Um, but win or lose, it was a very frustrating game to watch as a basketball fan because – there were whistles being blown left and right. Uh, you know, the game never really got into a natural flow and rhythm for either team. Um, I actually think at one point in the second half, there were more fouls called than total minutes played. Wow. So if you think about that, that's, that's just preposterous, man, honestly. It really is. And see, I was only able to catch about the last five minutes of the second half, but there were some dramatic minutes. And um, I think you would agree with this. When I say, or when I bring up uh, John Petty's ejection, uh, as well as the uh, the Arkansas players' ejection, I, I his name escapes me. But um, what did you think about Petty's ejection, man? It seemed like that was a little uncharacteristic. You know, he's a senior, he's a leader, and yeah. I don't know if it was frustration boiling up. But what what's your take on that? It's it's definitely not something you want to see. Um, it was a really big game for the SEC as a whole, as a conference um, ESPN game. Um, but I think it's like you said, it was a it was a culmination of things. Uh, the team wasn't playing well. Uh, the team wasn't getting, I guess, as many calls as they had hoped for. Um, just just a lot of unexpected things happened, I think, and it it kind of boiled over at the end. Um, but certainly not what we want to see. But Alabama is now 18 and six overall with a 13 and two SEC record. Arkansas is right behind them. They have an 18 and five overall record and are 10 and four in the SEC. Um, Alabama had a chance last night to officially clinch the SEC regular season title um, for the first time in nearly 20 years, I think. Um, but after last night's loss, there's still two and a half games on Arkansas with only two games left to play. Of course, there's been some uh, cancellations throughout the SEC this season with COVID and everything going on. So I'm not really sure what it's looking like for makeup games, um, if, if that will happen in, in any case. But right now, Alabama is up two and a half games still in the, in the SEC. Right. And so obviously uh, Alabama's making the tournament. It's just a matter of seeding at this point. Um, but after last night's game, uh, and I know you and I have discussed this before, um, and I've said that this Alabama team reminds me a lot of the 2017-2018 Auburn team when, you know, they were doing extremely well in SEC play. 
you know, the threes were falling like nobody's business. But then you had those games where you couldn't make a three to save your life. You couldn't get a good dribble drive penetration and you weren't getting to the free throw line. And that is obviously, especially in March and April, you know, not a recipe uh, to make it very far in the NCAA tournament. So my question to you is, um, and I think obviously, you know, that's not the norm for Alabama last night. But at the same time, is there a is there a worry in the back of your mind um, that this could happen again? Um, are you worried that it could continue, you know, at the end of the regular season, into the SEC tournament? So what what's going through your head as an Alabama fan um, when you see uh, this version of the Tide play? Well, you told the truth, man. Like you you made the comparison to Auburn a few years back when they when they are truly on. They really do look like a top five team in the country um, when everything's hitting on all cylinders. You know, the team's playing defense and they're hitting threes. Uh, they look like they're capable of beating anyone just about and making a deep run in the tournament. But when when things aren't going your way, it's just flat out ugly, man, uh, to be quite honest. Um, this is not the time of the year where you want to have concerns either. You want to be hot going into March and uh, improving in every aspect of the game. Um, I, do, I do worry that this is something that could happen again. Um, last night was pretty tough, but I hope the team bounces back. I hope they forget about that game and learn from it. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's a good attitude to have about it. And I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I wouldn't go to say that, you know, oh, Alabama's um, overrated necessarily. I do think the SEC is not as good of a conference from top to bottom as other conferences in the country. No, uh, it's, a, it's a down year in the conference. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, you know, would you say that, you know, any particular aspect of the Tides game got exposed last night or do you think it was just a bad game, burn the film and move on to the next? What do you think? Well, I, I think it's more than just not hitting threes. I think um, I think teams are absolutely defending us better. I think our, the early portion of the SEC schedule this year, Alabama was just beating people down. You know, it, we were beating teams by 20 to 30 points. Good teams. We blew out LSU. We blew out Arkansas earlier this year. But I think a lot of that was just like the shock factor. I don't think people were used to playing our speed. Um, I don't think they were used to – teams just launching up as many threes as they were. And we were just uh, really just killing folks, man. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But 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 in the second half of this SEC schedule, we've had a few injuries and, and that's really no excuse. But but we've had to kind of change the way we play a little bit. And I think there's more film on Alabama now. So teams are kind of coming up with better game plans, I think. Teams that have really good man-to-man -man defenders, um, you know, the whole purpose of Alabama's offense is dribble, drive, and kick out. So they'll drive in the paint. They'll try to attract two defenders on them when they get to the paint and then kick it out for a three. Mm -hmm. They like to spread everyone out and do that. So these teams that have good man-to-man -man defenders, they don't really have to help out as much, you know, so they can guard their man one-on-one. And when Alabama's trying to kick it out to the three-point shooters, these guys are sitting in the passing lane, ready to pick it off for a fast break. So it's been a lot of that going on. Um, 
I would like to see Alabama try to figure out other ways to win other than just shooting threes. Um, I think the best teams in college basketball every year are the teams that can beat you a multitude of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take if you take away one thing, they can beat you doing something else. And uh, I, I really don't think we are there yet, but I think I think the potential is there if we could figure that out. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, a, a crucial aspect of the game, I know it's like stating the obvious, but, you know, I don't think you can – ever underappreciate the the impact and the importance of free throws when you get to the line you got to make you got to make them um i know that's much easier for us to say um mm-hmm. you know than for the the man in the arena so to speak but you know as much as those guys play as much as those guys practice as much as they fine tune their craft um you know you you obviously hope that they make more than they miss uh, but at the same time, when you get those opportunities, I think you just got to capitalize on them as, as best as you can. And Because how many times have we seen that that's the difference in the game? We say, oh, well, if they had just made however many more free, uh, free throws, they would have won the game. So I think yeah. that's a very um, crucial aspect of the game that, that shouldn't get overlooked. So, Well, as a, as a basketball, as a guy who used to play basketball myself, I can live with missed shots, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that happens. It's part of the game. Every game you can't shoot the lights out of the gym. But I think a lot of it is shot selection too. I think lately Alabama has been forcing some threes that maybe have not been there um, when other maybe other better shots were available. Um, but I th- it's kind of ignorant to a to a degree, you know, shooting balls that aren't there, forcing things. Um, you want to take what the defense gives you, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's how I would sum that up. 100%, man. I think that's a great take. Uh, so, who does who does Alabama have this, this Saturday? Um, coming up, Alabama plays Mississippi State and Starkville. Um, Mississippi State is 13-11 and 11 overall, 7-8 and eight in the conference. Uh, not a very good team. They just came off a win versus their rival Ole Miss, but they've still lost three of their last five games. Um, but Alabama should be able to win that game. Um, don't really care if it's by one point or 20 points. I just want to win <laughs> and uh, seal, that, seal, seal, seal that SEC championship. No doubt about it, man. Well, we will see if they are able to execute that plan on Saturday. Uh, moving on to the green grass of the baseball field. Um, Auburn took to the diamond on Tuesday and Wednesday against Alabama A&M, and man, it, it, it got kind of silly. Let's just, let's just be honest about it. So on Boy, did it. Tuesday, <laughs> Auburn wins 18 to two, uh, and they only played seven innings. So they run ruled them. And uh, just taking a look at the box score here, the Auburn Tigers put up 10 runs in the first inning. Okay, so you've got 10 in the first, three in the second, none in the third, three in the fourth, one in the fifth and the sixth, and then a zero in the seventh. So uh, it was 18 runs on four hits and two errors. Alabama A&M, two runs, three hits, and three errors. And we all thought that was a blowout. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) 
So, you know, Alabama and <laughs> A&M not, um, you know, the, the best club when it comes to baseball. Um, so, yeah, you know, midweek game, trying to sharpen some things up for the weekend. So I go, all right, 18 to 2 blowout. Sounds good. Then we get to Wednesday. And um, thought we were over at Jordan Hare watching a football game based on this final score, but Auburn defeated Alabama AM 33 to nothing. That's just um, unheard of, man. That is absolutely unheard of. Um, obviously, a program record for runs scored in one game. They tied the program record for hits in one game. And holy cow, to shut out somebody. Well, first of all, you know, to score 33 runs, but then to hold somebody to zero. Yeah. Um, is just, you know, is, is as impressive as well. Um, even though 33 is just, oh, it's just unheard of, man. And so I was actually talking to our buddy Russell earlier tonight and asked him if he went to the game, to which he said he did. And I was like, holy cow. Did you stay That's for history the whole right thing? there, man? I said, "Did you stay for the whole thing?" And he said, "No, we left when it was twenty-three to nothing," <laughs> <laughs> which is still wild to hear and wild to say. After we uh, went up by three touchdowns, we decided to head out. Yeah, bingo, exactly. Uh, he's like, "Yep, I'm out. Going to the student center, grabbing some Chick Fil A. Um, peace out." And so he was telling me that they were almost cheering for Alabama A and M whenever they threw a strike. Because he said they were walking people all over the place. Um, none of their pitchers, he said, threw over 84 miles an hour. Meanwhile, Auburn's guys are throwing mid-90s. Um, so it's just like, man, how in the world? Make, make, makes you wonder why why that game even gets scheduled, you know? Uh, you but... know, honestly, honestly, because just looking at the quick box score here, had five runs scored in the third, 14 in the fourth, four in the fifth, five in the sixth, um, four in the seventh, and one in the eighth. And uh, like I said, 33 runs on 27 hits. Alabama A&M, zero runs, three hits, one error. And uh, you just, man, for both teams, that's got to be just – I mean, yeah, you want your squad to win, but at the same time, it's like, where was that mercy rule in that game? Um, <laughs> so, in, so in two games, Auburn won, it seems like 51 to two to three. If you, 51 if you to two. <laughs> goodness, man, 51 to two. I so, would like, uh, you know, you know, early in this baseball season, I would like to see the stat of how many teams have not scored 33 runs all season that Auburn scored in one game. I bet, right, I bet that's right. crazy. Dude, when I saw the graphic on Instagram, because, you know, they don't really show baseball games on TV that, yeah. you know, is unless it's a, an, an additional package. But, um, yeah, when the graphic came up on the SEC Network page and the Auburn baseball page, I had to do a double take. You're like, like oh, many no. people, I'm did, sure. Did the graphic uh, design intern uh, screw up? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. Did they put a did they put a, a three three instead of like a one three? Yeah, Surely. yeah. And then you go back and look, and it's like, nope, they were right. 
which is I have seen the rare baseball score of like 22 to like four or something, I feel like in the past, but I've never mm-hmm. seen 33 to zero. I mean, just, just, just unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable, really. Um, ba- ba- baseball is a funny sport, though. Uh, you mentioned how you win 18 to two. It's like, okay, move on to the next day. Mm-hmm. baseball is one of those games where you can destroy someone like that and then the next day you're going to extras yep yep you know what i mean and then just Absolutely. to be able to, to to keep it up and and play twice as good as you did the day before basically mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's 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 uh something else yeah so i mean there were guys you know hitting the ball all over all over the place there were you know personal records set brody moore had a career night uh, I believe I saw from the Auburn baseball Instagram page. And so, you know, you got guys like Judd Ward, Stephen Williams, and some of those veteran guys that have been around and have been doing it at Auburn for a while. And so uh, you really like the trajectory of this team and uh, where they can go uh, from here. Now, granted, you're not going to be playing the competition of Alabama A&M every week. Um, much so, like in the case of this weekend, they're playing in the Round Rock Classic. Uh, versus Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas A&M. And so Interesting. That's, that's definitely going to be uh, a far cry from, from Alabama A&M. But um, still excited. It's going to be good competition, going to be good baseball. And uh, I'm excited for SEC play, especially in baseball, because, you know, like we were talking about, it seems like even, you know, though as good as Auburn and Alabama are, there's – there's still four teams in the West that are just as good, if not better. So it's a dog-eat-dog world in the West uh, when it comes dude, to baseball you, as well. Dude, if you thought the SEC was known for its football, just wait till you watch some SEC baseball. That is true, man. They are they are smooth and savvy, man. They, uh, they make it look easy. But what about the Tide, man? What was their, uh, their midweek looking like on the Diamond? Yeah, so Alabama also had uh, two midweek games this week. Um, they were they played different opponents each time, though. Um, on Tuesday, Alabama took on Jacksonville State um, and got the five to three win over them. Um, didn't get to see any of that game, but uh, I checked the stats and whatnot. Um, Will Freeman got the start on the mound. He pitched. Four innings with five Ks, zero walks, one earned run. Uh, Sam Prater and Peyton Wilson, who, fun fact, is the younger brother of John Parker Wilson, uh, each each hit the ball out of the park. Um, the bullpen struggled after Will Freeman was taken out. Um, they struck out seven but walked six. Um, that was Tuesday's game. Now, Wednesday's game, they played UT Martin. Um, who was 0-3. Alabama was, I think, 4-0 going into that game. And Alabama lost. First game of the year they lost. First win for UT Martin. Uh, the score was 9-4. to uh, In that game, Connor Shamblin got the start on the mound. He pitched four scoreless innings with three Ks, zero walks, and two hits. Um, but after that, it was all UT Martin. Uh, they scored one run in each of the last five innings after Shamblin was taken out. And I did see this game on TV, but uh, I saw UT Martin hit back-to-back home runs in the top of the eighth inning. 
uh, to make it a seven to four game. And then they scored two more in the ninth um, to get the win. Um, overall, I would say both both of these games, the starting pitching was pretty good. Um, but it seems like the coach wanted to get the younger guys in the bullpen some experience. Um, so it stinks losing the game. You, you think you could have won maybe if you had left your starting pitching in. But later on, that experience should pay off as we uh, – as ultimately we get ready to play in the SEC. So. For sure. The, the season is still young. And honestly, man, those, those midweek games, you never really know how they can go uh, because baseball is just – like you were saying earlier, you can be on, firing on all cylinders one day, and then the next – you know, it's hard to put the ball in play. Your pitchers aren't throwing strikes. You know, there's just so many different variables um, that can contribute to um, a great performance or, or a poor performance. Um, so that's just one of those things uh, that you have to deal with in baseball. It's a long season, you know, and uh, it's definitely a, an exciting outlook, though, especially in the SEC play. Um, it's always exciting to see some good, good competition. Um, and so you definitely get that whenever you're watching SEC baseball. So Friday, Alabama opens a series against Wright State and Tuscaloosa. Um, don't know much about Wright State, uh, but I'm going to be able to go to the game on Sunday afternoon. I look forward to that. Um, but Alabama's ace pitcher, who normally starts uh, – the weekend uh, openers on Friday nights, Connor Prelip. Uh, he's out short term with some sort of medical condition. Um, so we got to change up the rotation a little bit. Um, Tyler Ross will pitch on Friday, Antoine John on Saturday, and Dylan Smith will pitch on Sunday. Um, John and Smith both pitched uh, last weekend series against uh, McNeese. But uh, I think the Tide should win, should sweep them, but uh, I'm hoping for at least two out of the three. Oh, yeah, man. As long as you get that series win, um, you know, obviously, like you said, you want to sweep it if you can. But if you take two out of three, that indeed wins the series and will get you to the next round, as they say. Absolutely. So, Moving on to our final segment of the pod, and I've actually been really looking forward to this, and I wish uh, our buddy Zach, who makes us the tripod, uh, could join us tonight, but he had um, a prior obligation um, to attend to. So Wells and I will carry on in his stead. So we're going to have a segment uh, just about every episode um, called My Five. And so each week, it's going to be different. Uh, it could be sports related. It could be food related. It could be hobbies and activities related. Um, it's just really what whatever we come up with between the three of us. And so this week, I thought it would be fun, since we are a sports podcast, to talk about my five favorite and or most memorable sporting events that took place while we were students at our respective universities. So in this case, I would be talking about Auburn, Wells would be talking about the University of Alabama. And if Zach were, uh, had been able to make the call, he would have been talking about 
Troy University, and I, Wells, I just about bet I know what Zach's number one would be. Um, do you have a guess? Um, I'm going to take a wild guess and say beating the LSU Tigers. Come on with it. In you the know sport it, of football. You, you know it's true. You know it's true. When Troy went down to Baton Rouge uh, to take on the LSU Tigers for LSU's homecoming and coming out of Death Valley with a victory. Yeah, not to be forgotten, though, uh, Troy was very close to beating Clemson uh, sometime in Zach's uh, days as a student as well. That is true. That is true. So the Trojans uh, always kept it interesting. That's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, I think another highlight that Zach would mention is when Troy made it to the NCAA tournament. Yes, and, and played the Blue Devils. Took on the Duke Blue Devils that uh, you and I watched that game together and uh, watched Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, and uh, all those guys take care of business that night. Um, I think we watched it with, South Carolina uh, in the Elite Eight. So I think we watched that with uh, Chris, too. Shout out to Chris. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, living in Prattville now. Um, he's been all over the place, man. He goes from North Georgia to Central Alabama. I mean, he's just a – man of many cities but we're gonna gonna get him listening to the podcast so he's gonna hear this shout out absolutely just like uh blake barnett shouted him out on his instagram live um (laughs) all-time great chris moment what a time what a time so wells uh i will let you start um with your number five so what would you say is the fifth most memorable slash favorite event that has taken place while you have been a student at the University of Alabama? Yeah, so at Alabama, we're pretty decent at a sport um, called football. Um, I've heard that. We have done some great things in that sport, um, but I did not want to fill my top five with just football um, games. So For number five, I have a basketball game. Um, It was Alabama versus Oklahoma um, in the 2017-2018 season. Um, Alabama had Colin Sexton on the team, and Oklahoma had Trey Young on the team. Um, So it was a really fun game. It was in Tuscaloosa. Uh, There was a packed house. Um, I think everybody was wearing white. I think it was a whiteout. Um, Just an overall great atmosphere for basketball. Um, Alabama got the win, of course, 81 to – I may be wrong on this. I feel like it was 81 to 70-something. Pretty close game. But anyway, Colin Sexton had 18 points and Trey Young had 17 points. So it was a a good battle. Absolutely. And uh, got to see two NBA point guards uh, squaring off against each other, which is a a pretty awesome – thing to be able to say because those are definitely two young studs of the NBA without yeah, a, a doubt. Good, that's a good point because uh, the better they do in the NBA, the more cool it cool it is looking back on it for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, shifting it over to the Plains, uh, I'm going to begin on the baseball diamond and give a huge shout out to the Casey Mize no-hitter on March – or excuse me, in March – of 2018. Mize goes nine innings, zero hits, 
13 strikeouts versus Northeastern in a non-conference game early in the season. Uh, of course, Mize did go on to uh, become the number one pick in the draft. Uh, he was selected by the Detroit Tigers and um, is very promising and very, I mean, I, I would say upcoming, but shoot, man, he's already there pretty much. Uh, he's definitely going to get a look from the big league club uh, this season, and I'm very excited to to see how he performs. And uh, I actually had a class with Casey. Uh, of all classes, it was um, sports officiating. So uh, we, we learned how to call some call some games. Uh, so if, if, uh, you know, if baseball doesn't work out for him, which I hope it will for a very long time, uh, he has a little bit of knowledge to, to go referee uh, a basketball game or, or better yet, uh, umpire a baseball game. So uh, shout out to Casey and I uh, hope he does well this season. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Number four. My, turn, my turn at, my turn at number four. I hope this isn't considered uh, cheating, but I want to say the 2017-18 uh, Alabama basketball SEC tournament run. Um, it features two very memorable games to me. Um, our first matchup, Alabama played Texas A&M um, and won the game 71-70 to from a Colin Sexton buzzer beater at the last second. Uh, Colin actually took the ball out with 4.4 seconds left on the clock, ran the length of the court, and dropped in a beautiful floater to advance Alabama to the next round. Um, that was a very crucial shot for many reasons. Uh, not, not only was it exciting, but Alabama was sitting on the bubble trying to get into the NCAA tournament at the time um, and absolutely had to have that win or else the tide was heading straight to the NIT tournament. Uh, in the next round, Alabama played Auburn. I'm sure you remember this game I'm talking about. Um, but Alabama Alabama just had a beautiful second half in that game, uh, pulling away from the Tigers. Auburn couldn't knock down a three to save their life. Um, Sexton finished with 31 points. Um, and also, I think Alabama and Auburn had split the series in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, that, so that game actually gave Alabama the two-to-one edge. Um, but, yeah, that's my that's my number four. That was a very fun uh, two-game stretch there. Yeah, I remember watching the Bama A&M game and, and vividly recall the play that you're talking about when, when Sexton took it the length of the court and then uh, shot that floater over Robert Williams of Texas A&M. And so um, he is definitely – young bull is a great way to describe him because he is definitely uh, in a zone when he's on that basketball court. And so that's what you like to see from a, a competitor um, in any sport. So I'm sticking to the hardwood as well for my number four. And that was Auburn's Sweet 16 victory uh, in the – NCAA tournament over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, so usually when you hear Auburn and North Carolina, you would associate Auburn with football and North Carolina undoubtedly with basketball. And I think everyone going in except those of us on the Plains um, was thinking, oh, you know, if Auburn gets past Kansas in the round of 32, which they did, oh, they'll never be. You know, they'll never beat the Tar Heels. You know, they're basketball royalty. They're, they're you know, they're a blue blood. And uh, lo and behold, you know, Kenny Smith and Charles 
Barkley. You know, we're on uh, the pregame show. Kenny Smith being a Tar Heel, former Tar Heel. Yep, yep. Chuck, we all know, former Auburn Tiger. He lets it. He, he hey, he he let he lets it be known. He's lets a it be known. He wears it loud and proud, loud and proud. And I think Kenny Smith was like, oh, sh- sh- you know, this is. Like laughing, like laughing at him. Yeah, laughing at you know, laughing it off, and um, lo and behold, those those Auburn Tigers um, took it to the Tar Heels and defeated them handedly. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the game that Chuma Okiki goes down, and um, you know, lost him for the rest of the tournament. That was man, such a such a sad sight to see because Chuma was a great player. Um, not only for Auburn, but for the SEC as a whole. And to see him go down with an ACL, that was really tough to watch. But, uh, yeah, it was just great for Auburn to shock the world um, and really take it to uh, to UNC and and beat them by uh, ultimately double digits. And um, that was the first number one seed to be eliminated out of the tournament that year. And uh, it was just a really, uh, really sweet treat for all of us that were uh, fans of the Orange and Blue to see the Tar Heels go down. So that was my number four. Yeah, man, my, my bracket was already busted by that point, but that uh, I'm pretty sure I may or may not have had a North Carolina winning it all. So, uh, <laughs> so that, so that game really did it for me. But moving on to number three on my list, um, I have, I'm switching sports. I'm going back to the beloved football team we have. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, Alabama versus Georgia in the 2018-2019 season's SEC championship. Um, Alabama defeated the Bulldogs 35-28 to in a spectacular sequel to, to the game the year before. Um, but this game was known as the return of the Jalen Hurts. Um, a lot of people remember that game for, for Jalen coming in to – uh, I guess save the save the season. I guess you could say uh, Tua got banged up in that game. Alabama was not playing well. Um, Jalen came in. I think the score was twenty eight to twenty one. Uh, the tide was trailing when he came in, and he led us down the field to score two touchdowns and ultimately win the SEC championship. Um, but it was awesome, man. I, I wasn't at the game, but I was sitting in my apartment with a couple of friends watching it. And the whole game, it was just kind of – it hurt to watch because Alabama was getting getting beat pretty good. Um, and then Jalen comes in, and you're thinking, man, there's no way. Like, we want this to happen. We'd love to see him pull us through, but that would just be so poetic uh, mm-hmm. for Jalen to come in for two and, and lead us to victory after what happened the year before. Um, but lo and behold, he did it, um, further cementing his legacy – uh, at the University of Alabama, and uh, that that's why we still love him today. 100%, man, 100%. I have a feeling, not that I have a crystal ball, and, you know, maybe this is uh, foreshadowing in vain, but I have a feeling there might be another Alabama-Georgia matchup mentioned. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, haven't man, seen I, this. It, 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 it was hard to tell the story of the SEC championship game and really <laughs> – to really uh, give the good the full picture without uh, hinting at another one. Yeah, yeah. So there there might be something related with a Tua and twenty six play. I, I mean, just stay tuned. Yes, just a guess. But 
Um, before we get to that, maybe or maybe not, um, my number three goes to the gridiron as well. And it's actually a, a pair of victories uh, from the 2017 season. And that is when Auburn defeated Georgia and then defeated Alabama. So they defeated the Dogs 40 to 17 in Jordan Hare, um, really handed it to them. Um, in that particular game, of course, we all know that Georgia ended up getting their revenge in the SEC championship game later that season, uh, defeating the Tigers 28 to seven. But in the moment and at the time, uh, it was definitely good to beat the dogs in Jordan Hare. And, uh, you know, they, they just couldn't do anything really the whole day. Auburn was clicking. They were firing on all cylinders. And so, um, it was, it was a good victory. Uh, for the men of the orange and blue. And then uh, they took on the tide uh, with Jalen Hurts still at the helm, leading the team at quarterback and um, really just couldn't get any offense going. Uh, the tide couldn't and uh, Auburn's sure defense couldn't. stepped up in a big way and uh, did, uh, you know, they, they did, I would say pretty well on offense. Uh, it was 26, 14 was the final. Um and really just made a statement beating the tide by by double digits by by two touchdowns and um you know t was taking some momentum into um Atlanta versus Georgia but again it's hard to beat the same team twice in a year and um ultimately like i said Georgia took the SEC championship that year but like i said that that stretch of games uh man it felt like Auburn was on top of the world for uh, yeah, for just a little yeah. while yeah, I know that was fun for you guys. Um, I would say, I would say, uh, of the of the few games that Gus beat Nick Saban in Alabama, that was probably the the most uh, thorough beatdown. You know, it was just twelve point game, and it really didn't even seem that close. Yeah, it was just a, a complete performance uh, by Auburn that season. And um, you know, if you're a fan of the Tigers, you you really felt good about that team. And if and if any year was the year to uh, to win it all, that was it. Um, because you just had what seemed like all the pieces in place that you would want. Um, ultimately, it didn't happen. And, you know, things uh, do occur that you can't control. And, you know, sometimes the uh, the team you're playing against has the better day and you got to tip your cap and move on. So, um, you know, that's ultimately what happened. And um, But that obviously and, and evidently was uh, one of the better Auburn teams that have taken the field uh, in the past several years. And so um, – Definitely fond memories of that team, especially being on the film crew and video staff and getting to participate and um, be a part of that team and in and, and even the smallest way um, and, and see it up close and personal. It was just really neat. My first year there and uh, got to see a, a Georgia victory, uh, a victory over Georgia, excuse me, and a victory over Alabama. So um, I know people, you know, that if, you know, could have gone to could have gone to Auburn all four years and not seen either. And I got spoiled and got to see it my first year so. Um, definitely a shout out to that 17 team, but, um, moving on to number two, what you got boss? Yeah. So at number two, I have is the most, is the most recent event. Uh, it's the Alabama versus Ohio state football game. Uh, Alabama won the national championship by a score of 52 to 24 and just an all around awesome game. Uh, I felt like it was the fitting in to a stellar season, um, a challenging season. Uh, nonetheless, for, for everyone with COVID and 
all the uncertainty going on. Um, I just felt like it was the perfect end. Uh, we just had a dominant team all year, never really had a close game. Um, you know, every, just about everybody at every position had won some sort of award going into the game. And so you're a little bit worried, you know, um, seeing seeing Ohio State just kill Clemson the week before, um, thinking that maybe uh, believing all the hype, um, I guess, surrounding Alabama, that maybe Ohio State had a chance. Uh, but that was not the case. Alabama thoroughly dominated them and um, just it was awesome. Yeah, man, I know there was there was quite a bit of concern amongst the Alabama faithful in regards to what you were referring to about Ohio State handedly defeating Clemson. Um, and I think all of us other fans of, of different teams were like, oh, you got nothing to worry about. I mean, this Alabama team, this offense especially, is just, is as explosive and as good as any that's ever taken the field uh, in college football. So, uh, Well, it's, it's funny, Nash, because when I was watching the uh, Ohio State-Clemson game, I'm not saying I'm cheering for Ohio State, but uh, I did prefer that they win that game because I, I wanted no part of Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Um, I was I was uh, not not scared of Clemson, but I'm just tired of playing them overall. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I know how good Trevor is. I felt like he I feel like him and Dabo uh, kind of have Alabama's number in a way, um, know how to game plan for us and all that. So so when I saw Ohio State just dominate Clemson. I was concerned. I was like, oh, no, I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see what you're saying, though, because, I mean, Lawrence uh, takes the field against the Tide as a freshman in the national championship. And, I mean, ends up, they, Clemson ends up winning 44 to 16. I mean, that's unheard yeah. of yeah. Um, for Alabama yeah. uh, to, yeah. get, to, to be defeated by 28. Um, and so between Swinney, Lawrence and Brent Venables on their defensive coordinator. They just had an outstanding game plan um, on offense and defense, both sides of the ball. And, you know, they, they took care of business that year. Obviously they've gone back and forth um, because they're, they're both two perennial college football powerhouses. I mean, those, those programs have been built and solidified and I don't see, don't see them going anywhere anytime soon, but um, I think that is a, a solid number two. Uh, for the Bama faithful. Uh, I'm going to take it back to the diamond now, uh, and I'm going to mention the super regional win against um, North Carolina. There's those Tar Heels again um, over North Carolina um, to advance the College World Series uh, in the summer of 2019. So um, Auburn makes it to the Chapel Hill super regional. Uh, put up 13 runs in the first inning of the game clinching game three um, and really never looked back. 13 runs in the first inning, uh, ultimately won 14 to seven. Uh, so they only scored one more the whole game. Uh, but when you put up a 13 spot in the first, um, you know, you're probably going to be okay. Um, so uh, ended up being a low scoring football game, like I said, 14 to seven. But um, they were totally on the diamond, and uh, it was the first time um, that Auburn made it to the College World Series in Omaha since 1997. So that was, let's see, a year before you were born, right? Correct. 
okay and that was a year after i was born so it had been a hot minute since uh since auburn had made it to omaha in the college yeah. world series and so it was just really awesome to see especially as a baseball fan and someone who who played in high school and i know you did too but to see your uh college team uh make it to omaha uh that's that's just such a dream you know for all of us that have played and uh to know that you know your your club was one of the the best eight teams uh in the country uh was, was pretty awesome granted they didn't make it uh too far into the tournament but um you know the stepping stone for coach thompson and his program and uh, really for the Auburn uh, family as a whole. And uh, it's just really, really cool to see and uh, cool to say that I was there when it happened. So that was my number two. And then moving to number one, I think we already previewed it, but go ahead and tell us, Wells. Yeah, so number one, uh, I have Alabama versus Georgia, 2017-2018 season, national championship. Uh, Alabama won 26-23. Uh, it will forever be known as the Tua and 26 game. Uh, I, I was uh, lucky to be that that game. I'll never forget it uh, until the day I die. I was there with my dad. Um, very special game. The first half was really bleak. Um, Alabama could not get anything going. Uh, Jalen was struggling a lot, just as he had a few weeks before against Auburn. Um, but up to that point, Nick Saban had not pulled the trigger and uh, put Tua in the game yet. But uh, at halftime, Nick Saban made the switch. Uh, he put Tua in the game, and from that point on, the comeback was on. Um, second half was all Alabama. Um, a lot. Uh, what what some people do ten, uh, um, tend to forget, though, is. The in regulation, Tua actually drove Alabama down the field for a chance to win the game mm -hmm. in regulation. Mm -hmm. Vividly um, remember that. Al Al Alabama fans don't forget because the field goal attempt was just atrocious. Yeah, it was a sh uh, shank burger. From uh, point blank range. But, um, I mean, we played such a good second half, we could have won the game in regulation, but we did not. So we went to overtime, and uh, I can't even explain just the roller coaster of emotions um that that went through went through my head in that last I guess 10 minutes of game time oh yeah you weren't alone Georgia got the ball first uh Alabama played very well on defense they forced him to kick a long field goal uh Rodrigo Blankenship drilled it of course naturally uh, but you're feeling pretty good as an Alabama fan you're like okay two was in the game uh we've pretty much scored every single drive you know um with him in there um, all we got to do is is uh, put it in the end zone. Uh, even a field goal will tie it, even though we're not feeling good about our field goal kicking. Um, but then he takes a dreadful sack, 16-yard sack. And, man, it feels like we're back there at the midfield is what it feels like. Um, and we're all just distraught. I remember just everything going on in my head. That we had come all this way just to, just to come up a tad short. And not 15 seconds later, probably the most beautiful pass I've ever seen in my life, um, thrown down the sideline to some freshman named Devontae Smith. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the crowd went wild. I mean, Georgia fans were the only people allowed up to that point. Um, and then it was just a total switch when he caught that ball. They got quiet. Now Alabama fans went crazy. Uh, I just felt like 
I was in another world, honestly, man. It was, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, I remember watching the game. Uh, I was actually over at Zach, Zach's house, at uh, the third member of our, our podcast, uh, and, and watching the game. And I was telling him, I was like, look, I mean, as an Auburn fan, as an Auburn grad, as an Auburn alum, all that stuff, the whoever won the game, for us Auburn people, it was still a lose. I mean, it was a lose-lose. Um, because y'all had, beaten both, y'all had beaten both teams just weeks before. Right. So we, we had defeated Georgia and Alabama. Um, got defeated by, you know, the real national champions, the Central Florida uh, Golden Knights. You're forgetting Wells. Come on. Um, the, the Golden Knights. Yes, yes. The uh, self-proclaimed natty champs. But, um, no, I was, I was over at, at, at his house. and um, I was saying, look, you know, Georgia's a rival and Alabama's a rival. So if Georgia wins, that means Alabama loses. If Alabama wins, that means Georgia loses. So it was a win-win, yet a lose-lose at the same time. So like can the can the field just split in half and both teams fall through? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's kind of what it was shaping up to feel like. Yeah. And so you couldn't cheer one way or the other because you're like, wait a minute. I'm cheering for the tide or I'm cheering for the dogs. It's like, I, I just can't do it. So it was, it was a strange game for us Auburn people to watch, or at least I know it was for me. And so <laughs> when Tua took that sack, I was like, Oh man, that's crazy. You know, cause it, like was, it, devast- it was devastating, man. Just oh, devastating. Oh, being there, I couldn't even imagine. And especially man, having been in that same building with a bunch of dog fans you uh, know, the week before or a couple uh, of weeks before with the yeah. SEC championship. Um, you know, with Georgia winning in Atlanta, um, man, you just talk about a a very red and black atmosphere. Um, they were just on cloud nine. And so I'm sure they were re-entering that stratosphere whenever that sack occurred only to have, (laughs) have their hopes and dreams crushed the very next play when, when Tua threw it to eventual Heisman winner, uh, Devontae Smith. So, um, Nash, if, there's, if there's anything Alabama fans and Auburn fans can unite on, it's beating Georgia in heartbreaking fashion. That that's true. That's true because there was there was something called the prayer in Jordan Hare that that the dog fans might recall. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree wholeheartedly, and it's um, you know always always good to beat beat the dogs and beat the tide, but you know when they're squaring off against each other, you're just like well. You know, whoever wins what? wins. Move on to next season. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. Yeah, if you're a if you're a fan of the Auburn Tigers, but yeah, if you're a football fan in general, that was a heck of a game to witness. And um, you know, it was a it was it was a great second half as a whole, though, because you got you really got to see uh, it was kind of the emergence of all these big names that you saw at Alabama. Uh, years after that and are now in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy uh, played good in that game. He started, made some good plays in that second half. Uh, we already mentioned Smitty. Um, Najee Harris got in the game in the second half. I mm-hmm. think he replaced Damian Harris there to, to get a little bit of a spark going. Yeah, man. And it's wild too. I've seen a picture floating around Instagram and it's, um, you know, I think it said college, the caption was college football pictures that don't seem real. And, yeah. um, you know, one Henry, was Henry Ruggs, too. Yeah. So one was a picture of the, the Alabama wide receivers that featured 
Judy, Ruggs, Smith, Waddle, and I may be forgetting someone else, but they were all on, yeah, all yeah, on the same on this, team. On this particular team, Waddle wasn't even there yet, but Calvin Ridley was. Mm-hmm. Which and that's see, crazy. It's like you just forget the embarrassment of riches that Alabama has yeah. when it comes to their to their yeah. players. But um, yeah, and then another picture that I saw was um, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua Tagovailoa smoking a cigar after beating Tennessee at Bryant Denny. Um, so that was floating around, and then they were uh, warming up. Another one was when they were warming up in the national championship game against Clemson. And you could see Smitty in the background kind of lurking around. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, who would have ever thought, you know, that, that, you know, he, um, well, obviously he was going to be good because we knew, you know, by the, the national championship game against Georgia that he, he had supreme talent. But um, I don't know if anyone could have predicted, you know, that he would be a, a Heisman winner. He just seems like he just came, um, after Waddle got hurt, he was uh, the emerging top target and never looked back. So, well, the funniest part of that uh, picture you mentioned of the quarterbacks is is Mac Jones just exploding out of nowhere onto the scene. Mm-hmm. We yep. all know Jalen, we all know Tua, but man, Mac Jones, who would have thought he would be the? I guess he was came in third in the Heisman um, and, and put together the best single season in Alabama football history. Mm-hmm. Just crazy. It is indeed, man. It sure is. Well, if I were a fan of the Tide, uh, that would probably be my number one as well um, because it was just such a great game overall. And it, it's hard to, to choose a moment, or I would think it would be hard to choose a moment that would that could top it. Um, so moving on to my number one for uh, fans and students and alums, uh, of Auburn is the Elite Eight victory versus the University of Kentucky uh, on March 31st, 2019, to advance to the Final Four um, in Minneapolis. So the, the Tigers took on the Wildcats um, for, man, I think maybe the second or third time uh, that season. Because I think, I think it was the third, because pretty sure um we beat them in auburn arena and then naturally we went up to rub and got our butts kicked um yep. because generally that's what seems to happen when you go to play kentucky at rub <laughs> um, uh but i know this season's been a, a very uh perplexing one for fans of big blue but anyway uh that season was uh you know a just a magical one for auburn basketball um, they won the SEC tournament handily, I think, by 20 points against Tennessee. I'm pretty sure that was an 84 to 64 score. Um, so they were, you know, had great momentum going into the tournament, had defeated uh, Kansas. I'm sorry, I think it was New Mexico State, I believe, and then Kansas in the round of 32, North Carolina in the Sweet 16. Every blue had, blood. Every blue blood, man. They were just running straight through them. And uh, then defeated Kentucky, their SEC foe in the Elite Eight in the uh, 2019 March Madness NCAA tournament. And, man, I was in my apartment watching that game in Auburn, uh, went to overtime. And uh, the very last uh, few seconds, Auburn had the ball, had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. And um, I think one of our guards passed it off to Horace Spencer. 
And um, Bryce Brown wanted it back because he was going to shoot a three and, and ultimately win it for us. And in, in, in regulation, I know that's what he was thinking. And then what does Horace do? He throws up a three himself. And, I do uh, remember that now. It looks it looked good from the wing, man. Like from the angle, it looked like it was on point. It looked like it was on target. Uh, but I think it I, it ended up clanking off the rim or hitting the backboard. It it did something funky, and uh, you could see Bryce almost begging and pleading, pleading with his hands, like, "Why didn't you throw it back to me?" And so we had five more minutes of overtime drama, and ultimately Auburn was able to pull away with a 77-71 victory over the Wildcats to go to the to the final four. And uh, like I said, I was in Auburn at the time uh, watching that game, seeing the conclusion of it. And then, man, my apartment complex, there was people going crazy, people flooding. It was like ants out of a nest, man. And everybody was headed to Tumor's Corner. And uh, it was just such a such a magical time because none of us had ever dreamed that Auburn basketball would would end up where they where they currently were at the moment. And so um, it was just absolutely an awesome experience and 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 so cool to to have been a part of it as a as a student and, and be there when that happened but you know everybody was they, they were climbing on the climbing on the monuments at the the corner of college in magnolia and it was you know just absolute bedlam and the streets were crowded and packed and it was a celebration all into the nighttime man it was just uh, uh a very unique atmosphere that i uh could never have dreamed uh, to be a part of, but it was it was definitely that's, cool the, that, that's the special thing about March Madness too is it's just game after game, you know. Unlike football, where it's one game to win it all, you just kind of keep you you advance and you advance and you advance, and every every win you get is a celebration. Um, as you as you uh, are excited to get to the next round. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it truly was uh, a ride for the ages. Like I referenced earlier, you know, with Chumo Kiki going down in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, and that was such a blow, uh, to the Auburn squad, but then they really rallied, uh, to, to defeat Kentucky because you're like, oh no, Chuma's out, you know, big bad Kentucky, they're going to just have their way with us. And that was not the case. Uh, Auburn showed, you know, true grit and, uh, passion and made it to the final four, ultimately losing to Virginia in that game. Uh, there were, a couple of controversial no calls and uh, well, really calls and no calls. Uh, the first, of course, being the infamous double dribble or lack thereof uh, by Ty Jerome that the rest didn't call. But then uh, for those that remember, um, Kyle Guy was fouled in the corner by Samir Dowdy. Uh, they were down 62-60. He's got to make all three free throws for them to go up. He does nothing but that, sinks them all, and uh, Virginia ended up winning 63-62, eventually winning the national championship. But, uh, man, that, that, that ride was, Virginia, was that, that was Virginia's toughest game was against Auburn. Oh, yeah, man. I, I No doubt about it because they were within inches of defeat, and uh, Texas Tech gave them a ride, too, in the next round. But ultimately, ultimately they were uh, victorious and um, – Talk about a turnaround because they had gotten upset by a 16 seed the year before. But, uh, you know, they they came out on top. And like I said, you got to tip your cap sometimes. And it was a tough pill to swallow. But that journey and that ride uh, wouldn't trade it for the world, wouldn't take it for granted either because they don't um, they don't always happen. And so you got to appreciate it when they do. 
Yeah. Yep. It's always fun when it's a sport you're not expecting either, like mm-hmm. Alabama and Auburn uh, have focused on football for so long, and then when it happens, when something special like that happens in another sport, um, the excitement is just insane. Thanks for listening. Here at the TSP, we're all about the power of three. This has been the Tripod Sports Podcast. <laughs>